Today's reading is by Parker Palmer and is titled Fierce and Tender Work of the Hands. My grandpa's name was Jesse Palmer. He married Jenny Parker, and now you know how I got to be a guy with two last names. I've always been proud to bear my grandma's maiden name. It's good karma. Grandpa was a machine tool operator who made parts for John Deere tractors. When he got home from work, he'd scrub the grease off with 20 mule team borax and sit down to supper. Then he'd work the fenced-in garden behind the house until sunset. Before he came back inside, he'd stand by the fence, contemplating the garden while puffing on his pipe. I loved sharing those moments with him. In the winter months, he'd go to the basement and make things with his hands. Next to my writing desk stands a bookcase Grandpa made. On top of it sits a photo of him holding me when I was just two years old, along with his union badge and two tiny, but incredibly detailed carvings he made out of peach pits, a monkey with a curved tail, and a May basket. When I see things my grandpa made, it makes me reflect again on the work of the hands, on how important it is to being fully human and how much we have lost respect for it. And as I look at the photo through the eyes of age and memory, and yes, through mistiness, I was struck by another thought. There is no more important work human hands can do than to hold a child with a fierce tenderness that says in a a way words never can, You are loved. You are safe. You can trust. Here is our world. Such beautiful things happen and terrible things too. Let us this holiday season, we're about to be propelled into Let our hearts be made tender. Keep our eyes soft in a hard world because this is what you and I are about. We know there is no answer but to love each other. And we bear witness against unnecessary destruction and we gather in this community, in this place where people have for generations to practice being the person we say we want to be. Now, we cannot do everything, but we can do something, and that something is never nothing. So let us forget our perfect offering. There is a crack in me and a crack in you, and that in this season, just like our chalice, is how the light gets in. It was 10 years before Chrissy Hind 
and the Pretenders released I'll Stand By You in 1994. It was 10 years too late before I needed its promise of presence most. And I stood in the kitchen and I tried to stand my ground. I am not going, I am not going. There's no way, okay? You cannot make me. Which was not entirely true because the people I was protesting were my parents. And I was only 13. But my face was on fire with red splotches. The Clearasil having not worked <laughs> to clear out all the pimples that had erupted ever since teen became a suffix on my age. And even though I knew I would not know all the boys there who would be there with me at this so-called summer academic achievement program, which as any kid knows is never a series of words that should ever appear in a single sentence <laughs> together. <laughs> the fact that I didn't know the boys I was gonna be with made me more self-conscious than ever, certain they would look at me and whisper. Certain they would point at my red splotches and laugh at me. Certain they would elbow their friends and say, look at him. How terrorizing it can be to see yourself as, as you think others see you. And you don't need to be a teenager to know what I'm talking about, do you? But my protests were all bemoaning and bluster. Not actual body goes limp on the floor. I am not moving resistance that we all know how to do and learned how to do as toddlers, mainly in grocery stores. <laughs> because deeper down, I thought that maybe, my parents maybe, might be maybe right, maybe that it would be good for me to stretch myself beyond myself and beyond my safe circle of trust, and good for me to challenge myself in ways the nuns of Our Lady of Lords in eighth grade were not doing, which of course I can only admit now that I am a parent. And experience, you're with me firsthand how hard it is to push and then to maybe pull back when it comes to our kids, or for that matter, when it comes to taking care of our aging parents, or for that matter, when it comes to looking on ourselves in the mirror. All of us, you and me, we, we live in the balance between this tension between when to nurture and when to needle, when to show tender love and when to show love that is tough, right? Go on, Nate my dad says as the car pulls up to the curb. But then with a tender hand on my arm, he says, you will be fine. And because this was the 80s and helicopter parenting had not been invented yet, <laughs> and also snowplow parenting, which maybe you know what that is, when you just push everything out of the way for your little baby to walk cleanly through the world. You hear that before? I commend it to you. 
because no sooner was the car, did I slink out of the car, was the car gone. <laughs> Blue smoke from the tailpipes hazing around my legs and the other boys around me. All of us 13 and so very angry that the calendar said late June, but here we were with our backpacks on our backs, standing in front of a Catholic high school with Christian brothers waiting for us inside, their summertime shorts and shirt not fooling any one of us <laughs> about what this really was, which was school in summer. It was summer school. Who's that kid? I hear behind me and alongside is this wide-shouldered boy man <laughs> sneering to me and to another boy man near him and nodding in my direction, both of them wearing wispy beards <laughs> and clear skin. Proof that some kids just get all the luck <laughs> and that God loves them more. <laughs> and me, and you are with me, but you remember back, don't you? Thinking and remembering that feeling, friends, that everyone seems to have it better than you. Brighter, bigger, happier, healthier. This comparison game that comes out in full glory this coming week in particular, right? As photos of perfect turkeys and napkins folded into swans and houses decorated for Christmas before even the dishes are done and the tryptophan has worn off. Right? And knowing the comparison game, I'm sure, is why the Christian brothers, they welcomed us in and they introduced us to the rigors of the program three weeks long, intended to help us become the young men that they said God wanted us to be, which I guess was more preppy, maybe, and more academically rigorous. But first they said, let's get comfortable with some icebreakers, which as I'm sure you know, always is evidence that exactly the opposite will happen. And there were acoustic guitars, no offense taken. <laughs> and there were songs about Jesus, and there was forced clapping And then they had us get into several giant circles around which we gathered a, a, like a circle, a giant circle piece of cloth. And we pulled it up and they threw a ball in the center and on that ball were the words that said, God loves you, which we were meant to throw up into the air. I guess there are worse messages to throw into the sky. And finally, boys, let's do this final thing. I want you to get into small groups, the numbers in the back of your name tag. 
group number five, and you will spend, boys, the next three weeks with this group of ten. These are the young men, boys, that you will learn from and rely on and lean on and who will be your support. And in order for us to, to communicate this message, you need to be able to give to each other what? Trust. These are the boys that you can trust. So I go and I search out my group, group number five, and I swim through the teen noise. Why does it always seem like everyone else knows each other? You who are new to church, it might seem that way to you. Why does it feel like we're always the odd person out? Does not God love me? Is that ball that I just threw into the air telling the truth? And in the corner where group five is gathering, who is there in the center? Of course it is. It is the boy men, the bearded boy men, snickering in my direction. Awesome. Okay, boys, so the idea with this last activity is to demonstrate how you can rely on and lean into each other. We call this, boys, a what? So what you're going to do is, boys, you're going to get into, four of you will line up and you will face each other, and there will be like a, like a safety person at the end, and you're going to have your back to your new friends, and you're going to fall back and back and back, boys. And you're going to trust that all your new friends are going to catch you. Somewhere on the other side of the gym, a little voice says, did Jesus make his disciples do this? <laughs> Was this in the Bible? Which the brothers ignore. So we all get in line. And we all begin our forced rotations of trust, which can never be forced or required because trust is a thing that you earn and trust is a thing that you give someone you love as a gift. But never mind, because now it is my turn and I stand at the line and I turn my back, and I hear the two boy men, bearded boy men, snickering. And instead of trust, I feel fear, and I feel alone. But these kids are supposed to have my back, and they are chanting, go, 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 go. And I close my eyes, and I let my mind fall blank, and I let myself go. And I feel myself falling back and back and back and I'm waiting for the arms and I'm waiting. Do you know this in your life, this moment? You're waiting for the catch. You're waiting for the experience of being caught. You're waiting for the feeling of being held. All of you know this feeling. But then feeling panic, 
when I knew it was taking too long. Taking too late. As I heard the bearded boy men, the ringleaders, push the others out of the way. And I felt my 13-year-old pimpled body fall to the floor. You're thinking, that's a great Thanksgiving story, Nathan. <laughs> awesome. Listen to me. I cannot lie to you. I will never lie. But you and me, all of us have become accustomed to people behind things like this and people on screens and people behind podiums and pulpits telling you to do one thing and then doing something quite different. I mean, even this last week, we have watched as women tell the truth about sexual harassment and assault and have watched also as they have been met with varying degrees of belief and a lack of trust. And we watch this season as news that maybe we don't like is called fake and we watch as falsehoods are described in that ubiquitous phrase, alternative facts. And we watch as religion is used as a weapon. And we hear Mary and Joseph used as an example for a man being a, committing a sex act, a criminal act against a 14-year-old girl. And you wonder how it is hard to preach and to be a religious person in this world. We are forgetting how to trust. We, all of us, have been allowed to fall to the floor. We want to be held. We want to lean back. We want to be leaned on. And we are wondering and we are waiting when and how and to whom we can fall into. Who will stand by us as, as, as we heard the band sing? Who can we trust? Who can trust us? All of us, all of us in this room, you were you were there with me, all of us now, back in that gym in 1984. We are damaged trusters, you and me. And we curse like I did at that moment. And we lash out. And we pretend like it doesn't hurt. And then we decorate our houses. And we pretend like we're not hurting.
but we long to run home as I did and fall into the arms of the people who love us like I did. As I pushed open the door, a 13-year-old boy and fell into my mom. Sometimes in our lives, we will be the eyes that close as we lean back. Sometimes we are the hearts that hope we will be caught. Sometimes we are the body that falls. Sometimes we are the arms that catch. Sometimes we are the hands that hold. And sometimes we are the bruised and broken limbs that have not been caught one, two, many times. And I know it takes risk and courage to keep falling and to get up again and try again and trust again. I know. It's taken for me a lifetime. But as I was finishing this sermon last night, trusting that the words would come, I knew what I needed to do. I have my safety pin on, and I have my spotters. And I want you to know that you're being filmed. <laughs> All right, I think uh, you need to teach our folks how to do a trust fall. You, yeah, because you're, you're good with this kind of stuff. So I stand here, and friends, wherever you stand, if I'm going to fall back, I'm not going to fall that way, Marty. So I want us to know this moment. No, stay there. <laughs> stay there. Stay there. No, seriously, stay there for a second. Stay as you were. I want us to know that, actually, this is, this is real for me, that this is a demonstration of what this community does for us. Okay? Remember the boys were chanting. What were they saying? We can always try again. Life calls us to do that. And, oh my gosh, the world needs us to do that, right? In this community, in this circle of people, in this place that I have been the minister now for 15 years, my trust has grown because of you. This is the place where you can go to flex 
and find your courage muscles. Believe me. And we are all there, always in your life, no matter what lonely moment, I want us to remember the chant to go, 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 because we have you.